chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, we'll start reading there in a few minutes. Um, last week, we started a new series of messages uh, called Designed for Destiny. And we're talking about how God has specifically, uniquely, wonderfully, miraculously put you and me together. And he has gifted us in ways that f help uh, us to be able to experience the fulfillment of his plans and purposes, his design for our lives. Now, I talked uh, last week about how when I um, prepare to, or when I think about how we uh, are to study God's word, when I think about the diet that the Lord would want us to have out of his word, I, I tend to think of it in three ways. Number one, inspiration, that we need times when we're coming to God's word to be inspired, to be refreshed, to be, um, you know, to, to find fresh love for, for the Lord and fresh perspective on our lives and, and all that. But then there's also, we need a dose of exhortation from, from time to time. We need a good kick in the pants from the Word of God every once in a while. How many of you know that's the truth? Besides me, a couple of us anyway. Um, and then there is uh, uh, instruction. We need, to be, we need to be learning about God from His Word. We need to be learning about His ways, how He does things, how He thinks, what His purposes are for us. And so this particular series is a, about that. It's about learning more about God and about His ways and His desires for us, less about inspiration and exhortation. And, uh, you know, we'll, we, we, we want to have a full diet of God's Word. So that I've asked you over the uh, last couple of weeks to put your thinking caps on and join with me in learning something about God and about His ways. So we talked about the fact that I believe that there are three types of spiritual gifts. That when we talk about the subject of spiritual gifts that we're really talking about three types of spiritual gifts and that understanding how the, the interplay of those three types of gifts in our lives that God bestows upon us in, at various points is what causes us to be who we are in Him. And so getting a better understanding, a little bit sharper focus on how God has arranged those gifts in my life and in your life can help us to cooperate with His plans better. Now, none of us are ever going to get this 100%. You know, I'm, I'm going to do my best to teach this stuff well. But when we're done, you're not going to come out of here with a fully formed, oh, I know exactly who I am and what I'm supposed to do in God. That's not going to happen because our God and His ways are high, 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 high. And so none of us are ever going to be able to fully grasp everything about Him, tie it up in a nice, neat bow and, and move on. But getting a, sh a little bit sharper focus on who God made me, who God made you to be, is quite helpful. And that's our goal. That's what we're after. Because, dear ones, we need to be uh, reminded of something. We have a God who has a plan for our life. That's a little bit trite to say because it's a, a phrase that's overused, but it is the truth. You have, we have, I have a God who has a plan for my life and he's not making it up as he goes along. He didn't get up this morning and think, oh man, what am I, I going to do about Jackie today, all right? He didn't think that. 
He knows what he, his desires are for Jackie. And we have these wonderful verses in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 16, and say this, For you, God, formed my inward parts, that the deepest part of me, the person that is the real me. You formed me. You covered or you hovered over me when I was in my mother's womb. You were orchestrating very intentionally and very specifically the crafting of who I would be. Your eyes saw my substance, the fully formed me, being yet unformed, even when I was just two cells. From my conception, you saw my full being. And in your book, they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. So this is the God who loves you and is so intense and intentional about your life and how he thinks about you. And we talked a lot about that last week and so I'm not going to go any further with it. But I want to remind you of another scripture uh, passage that we looked at last week. Uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 6, where it says this, There are diversities or differences of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities or differences of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And I told you that I believe, and you don't have to, but I believe that this passage describes three types of spiritual gifts, beginning from the end of that passage where it says that there are differences of activities. There's different, there's different ways of seeing life. There's different ways of doing things. And each of us is uniquely gifted from birth by our God, God the Father, who shapes a unique perspective for each of our lives. I told you last week a story about my wife. I could tell you many more about our relationship and how we are very different from one another. We come at life from a different, each of us from a different perspective, but that's God. And I am so thankful that I am not married to me. <laughs> God's plans are perfect and wonderful, but they are unique for us, we each of us, and we, we need to celebrate that there are differences of ways of doing things, differences of activities. And then it says that there are differences of ministries with the same Lord. And I told you that I believe that when a person is born again, when they come to that place where they cross from doubt into faith, when we begin to follow Christ and become a Christian, that on that day, Jesus the Lord begins to place us in one of five ministry arenas that become the passion of our uh, service towards him. How we uh, love to serve him. And then <clears throat> there are, it says, diversities or differences of charisma, gifts, graces. The, the Holy Spirit dispenses to us when we are filled with when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Spirit, becomes available to us a complete array of supernatural tools for, that equip us to be able to 
fulfill the ministry that Jesus has called us to. Three types of spiritual gifts. Last week we talked a lot about that and the interplay of these three things. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to do something I never do, but I'm going to ask you, if you weren't with us last week, to catch up. And you can do that. Just go to our website, uh, listen to the audio or watch the video from last week. It will help you so much. I don't have any t more time today to go back over and, and, uh, and re-preach that message. But, um, so please, if you do me a big favor and, and catch up because uh, it's going to be so important to how we go forward with this. But to, I told you last week that there are, in Romans chapter 12, we find seven gifts of the Father that are the perspective on life given to us at birth, and these are them. Prophecy, ministering, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, and mercy. I said that when you come to faith in Christ Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Lord of his church in Ephesians 4, uh, it says that he gives us a passion for ministry in one of these five areas, apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastoring, or teaching. And then we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there's a list of nine gifts of the Spirit, these supernatural enablings that allow us to be in, able in the power of God to fulfill the passion for ministry that God has given us. Back in January, we took a deep dive, starting then anyway, a deep dive at looking at the gifts of the Spirit, so we're not going to deal with them. At this time, we're going to focus in on perspective and passion, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and begin with the gifts found in Romans chapter 12 that form your perspective. I want to start by looking at the gift of prophecy as a life perspective, okay? So I'm going to ask you to turn with me. Uh, some of you are already there, but let's turn to Matthew chapter 3, and we start reading about John the Baptist because I think he personifies a person who uh, has this prophetic perspective on life. Another way to think about it is the term insight, insight. Here are some of the strengths so over the next few weeks, let me just say this, over the next few weeks we're going to go through all seven of these gifts and we're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of each. And this is not just some sort of parlor game so you can look around the room and go, oh, that's you, you know, that's you. That's not the point of this. The point of this is so that we can kind of get a better idea of who we are and what our strengths are so that we can say, Jesus, help me develop in that area. So that we can discover what the weaknesses are that are associated with this uh, perspective. This way of looking at life. So we can say, Jesus, help me to triumph over those things. Does that make sense? And last week, uh, just one more thing before we dive into here. Last week, I, I told you we had prepared some little booklets. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am past puberty, but uh, we've, <laughs> we've prepared these little booklets that has a lot of this information in it. And more importantly, it has some assessment tools that you could use to help get a better idea of maybe the top three of these things for, that, are, that, are, um, uh, part, that, that identify you so that you can get, like I said, a little better focus. And if you didn't receive one of those, our ushers have them in a basket back there and they can give them to you when the service is over. Just see them back there. All right. So, John the Baptist... Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea 
and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, this is that guy with the bullhorn and the sandwich board, uh, sandwich board sign that says, Turn or burn. You know, that's John the Baptist. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then, Jeru by the way, I, somebody, one of my friends, and, and pardon me, maybe you love this stuff, I don't know, but one of my friends from China sent me a picture this week of a bowl full of fried locusts that they were about to eat. And I thought, good on you, okay. <laughs> Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, these were some of the religious leaders coming to his baptism, he's, and they were coming to sort of scrutinize what was going on, not necessarily to, be, uh, to partake in what was happening. He said to them, Brood of vipers! <laughs> I love I love this. I could never do that. I never. <laughs> Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. <laughs> This is intense, man. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing, hand is in his, winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We could go on and read more about John, but I think you get the picture. And I want to talk about the strengths that are evidenced here and then some of the weaknesses because some of these things will apply to some of you. Pro the people who come at life from a prophetic perspective are generally bold. They'll get in, their get in your face and tell you what they think. They, they don't have any problem with that. They have less of a filter than a lot of us with regard to these things. Um, they are verbal, usually. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that they are articulate. <laughs> but they're verbal and uh, objective, meaning that they, they maintain an objectivity. They're, they're not ones who are going to get really deeply involved in, in empathy with you. And the reason for that, it's a good thing. The reason is it keeps them able to speak into your life to be able to hold up a mirror that says, hey, this is what it really looks like from my vantage point. We need those people. We need them, right? Um, and they are people usually who, um, there we go, who are very black and white. Uh, they, they don't really know about the color gray. So it's right or wrong, it's good or bad, and that's it. Uh, and we need those folks because a lot of us get really muddied up in the grayness of things. We need people who will step in and say, well, just do this, right? You know, and we need those folks. 
um, they are focused. They, they tend, they're like a dog on a bone, man. They don't let things go, right? And they're not trendy. They don't know that camel's hair went out of style a long time ago, right? They don't care. And locusts and wild honey, all right, serve it up. They don't, they're not, they're not interested in those things that don't, and you know who we're talking about, don't you? Okay, and then they're charismatic, and I don't mean uh, in the way you might think. I mean that they are um, charismatic in that they draw attention to themselves because of their clarity. In a day, day and age when so many things are out of focus and fuzzy, when we encounter someone who comes at life from this um, prophetic perspective, it's like, man, I, I need to hear what this person, I need, at least need to figure out what this guy has to say, you know? I may not like it, but I, I, I need to hear what he has to say. Some of the other strengths, they, they're, confront, they're confrontational. They confront. Um, I, am I am not this guy, okay? I, and I'm terrible at confrontation. I hate it with a passion, but I need it so much. I need people who will tell me the truth about myself. And so do you. And, I, and, and uh, that's a strength of this particular gift. They discern hypocrisy. You cannot, you cannot fool them. They can see right through you, right down to the soles of your feet. They uh, are committed, most generally committed to holiness. When they come to faith in Christ, they're committed to holiness and upholding a standard of holiness. And they are confident to advise others. We didn't look at this passage, but in Luke chapter 3, where uh, Luke is recording some of these same things that we read from Matthew 3, uh, he says of, of John the Baptist that there were people who came to him, specific groups of people, uh, soldiers, tax collectors, and regular old folks that came to him and they said, what should we do to get right with God? And he said, well, do this, do that, do this. He dispensed these very clear-cut, very sharply focused uh, advice to people. And, and, and you, you, you've encountered people like that. Very confident to give advice to, to others, whether it's wanted or not. <clears throat> and there are some weaknesses, though, that go along with this gift. If a person is, is, has been gifted with a prophetic perspective, they need to be careful because the enemy can use that against them sometimes. And... Um, if that's you, then pay attention to these things, inviting the Lord to help you with them. One of the weaknesses is slow self-image. These people come across as though they don't care about anybody else. They're good. They're, you know, they know what their life's about. Very confident. And yet lurking behind that often, often, is a person who really struggles with their own sense of worth and self-identity. Because the enemy will use aspects of of uh, how they're wired up to uh, diminish their uh, personal confidence, they can become very impatient because you're not listening to what I'm telling you. I told you this like five times, right? <laughs> if you just do what I said, you'd be all right. They can get that way. And they tend to have tunnel vision. They just, you know, they just rivet on something and, <laughs> you know, you can't... Um, they don't take into consideration some of the other, the other elements of what's going on. It's just, boom, it's tunnel vision. And they can, because of that, become judgmental and uh, intolerant. 
Um, they can isolate uh, because <clears throat> they, and this is a big one, uh, one of the big weaknesses, because they recognize that people don't often, or not, a lot of times aren't wanting to hear what they have to say, they will kind of just put themselves over into a little corner away from everybody else. And, um, well, first of all, if you have someone in your life, in the circle of your life, who comes at life from a, a prophetic perspective, welcome them. Welcome them. You need them. Uh, don't shut them out. But because that happens often, they'll just go off and mope in the corner. They can also become pretty dictatorial. And, you know, it, it is, it, it's this way or, or the highway kind of thing, right? I'm going to ask you now to turn to uh, Luke chapter 10, and we're going to explore one of these other um, gifts. And that is ministering or serving is another way to think about it. And we're going to look at a person named Martha as our example. Luke chapter 10. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, starting at verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who, was, uh, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. This is a, a little word of advice. You ever hear the Lord use your name twice in a sentence? Listen up. Okay. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So I believe that uh, Martha demonstrates or exhibits both the strengths and the weaknesses of the gift of ministering, the life perspective of ministering or serving. And some of the strengths are these. Genuine concern for others. Uh, these are the people who, you know, they just everywhere they go, they're tuned in to the needs of other people. Um, you know, what they're, they're, they want to know, you know, what they're, what's going on with people and how they can be, uh, how they can help them. And they, these are the ones who, um, you know, they... When they ask you how you're doing, they really mean it. They really mean it. They are gifted with hospitality. This is, again, not my gift, okay? But I love to hang out with people who are ministering uh, folks, people who come from that perspective, people who are serving, because they're the ones, when you ring their doorbell, they light up. They want you around. They want to make a place for you at the table, and they want to make sure that you eat a lot of food. I like that, okay? <laughs> Hospitality, welcoming, that's these folks. They uh, are task-oriented. In other words, they, they can discern what needs to get done, and they 
they work at trying to get the things that need to be done, done. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. E they scope out the scene very quickly and they can, oh, I've got to, and, and when we need to, and, you know, they've, they've got it dialed in. They are self-sacrificing. They will give you the shirt off their back. They will work hard for you. They, these are people who serve. And they're generally uh, very capable because how terrible would it be for God to give a person that, that perspective on life of wanting to serve people but not have the ability to do so. So God, usually these people can do lots of things well. Some of the weaknesses are that they can become a soloist. Uh, did I get this up there? No. A soloist. Um, and it's, a interesting, it's an interesting thing oh, when you see this happen. But I, I see it over and over and we see it with Martha here where she knows what needs to be done and so she's doing it. She's making sure that everybody's housed, everybody's fed, everybody's got enough you know, uh, drink, it's, everybody's in good shape, place to sit, and, you know, the, the windows are open or closed depending on the temperature, you know, and all of that. They, they're scoping out the whole thing, making sure everybody's taken care of, and they know how to do it, and they know the right way to do it. But they can become angry that others aren't helping them while at the same time not really wanting them, their help because if they helped them, they would do it the wrong way. So they have this tortured thing where, you know, they, they know they want and need help and they resent people who are just sitting around like Mary listening to Jesus. They resent that, but they also don't really want them to help because it would screw things up. So that's this tortured place that servers, uh, you know, find themselves in. And so they often opt for, well, I'll just do it myself. That's a, that's a weakness. Uh, they, because of that, they can become very stress, very prone to stress, right? And they can also become distracted, distracted from the who and the why because they're focused on the what. Um, that's a weakness. When we're serving, when we're living out of this perspective, when we're living out of this gifting, we can't lose sight of why and for whom we do these things. Uh, they can also become pretty demanding because they know what needs to be done. And they can, you know, hey, take care of this, would you? You know, that kind of thing, that, that, that rough uh, approach to, <laughs> to inviting others to help them. And they can become self-righteous, like we see here with, with Martha, where she is insinuating that her sister Mary is uh, lazy bones, right? They can, they can become self-righteous. Now, again, as I said earlier, and I'm about to wrap this up just so you know, um, we're going to, if you didn't see yourself in uh, the gift of prophecy or in the gift of ministering, yours is coming, okay? Uh, but you endowed, undoubtedly know people who fit into these, uh, roughly into these arenas. Let's help one another. Let's, if it's you, pray and ask God, God, I want to live out 
this um, gifting of prophetic viewpoint on life, focusing on the strengths of that, and inviting you to help me resist the weaknesses. Same for ministering. If you find yourself there, that's your prayer. But if, if you're not, uh, if these don't, aren't, aren't yours, but you have other people in your life with these giftings, let's help them by understanding, first of all, where they're coming from, celebrating that they have a different viewpoint on life than you do, and participating in how the Holy Spirit wants to bring to the surface the strengths and diminish the weaknesses. This is recording number 11229 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, September 18, 2016. This is the second message in a series titled, Design for Destiny. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Your Perspective. Part 1. 